meltdown, sir. It can't be stopped. The surrender may be our only option. No. Never give up. Never surrender. You order, sir? Sir, you orders. Activate the Omega-13. You're listening to the Geekscape Network. Time to fire up the VCR. This one's my favorite. Welcome to Analog Jones in the Temple of Film. I'm Steve, and this is a VHS podcast that looks at the box art trailers behind the scenes. And with us, as always, is Brad and Chris. Oh, yeah. Hi. Oh, it's our last adventure film. Chris, what do we watch? We are watching 1999's Galaxy Quest. Woo! Yeah. This is my pick. Last but not least. Mm-mm. Yeah, I will is... say I think all three have been solid. Yes, I will say when we first picked this theme out of a hat adventure, uh, it was a want want moment. It was just like, oh, my adventure that could be anything. But I kind of think that's part of what made these so damn good. <laughs> so we just picked an adventure film. And they're all great. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so. Anyway, uh, our next thing we'll pick out out of a box at the end of this. So we'll see what's actually. No, uh, I believe it's going to go into our Halloween franchise, right? We won't. We pick are going into Halloween franchise. It's getting to be that time of year. That doesn't mean mm-hmm. the Halloween franchise. It's just a spooky franchise. Spooky. Hopefully spooky, even though we already you guys voted on it. So you'll have to go to our Facebook page and look what uh, won. And if you haven't voted, vote. Just don't be that person who sees it like, oh, there's one, uh, 10 votes or one and nine votes. I'm going to make it a tie. I hate that. I hate it. <laughs> we will block you yeah. <laughs> and immediately remove you from the group. <laughs> we will disenfranchise you immediately. Exactly. Brad, after all that, tell them. What's their sponsor this week? Well, if you're speaking of adventure, we're talking about, do you need top-tier legal representation? This is not even a pickleball law firm. This is a different, this is a higher step up of a law firm here. Look no further than Gibson and Associates. This is Mel Gibson, my friends. Your trusted (laughs) name in the legal world. Wouldn't Mel Gibson go to law school? I don't know, but, you know, we're just going with it here. So, anyway, led by none other than renowned actor and legal expert Mel Gibson, Our law firm is committed to fighting for justice, the same intensity and dedication that Mel brings to the big screen. So you're going to win. I guarantee it. We got Mel Gibson has not only graced us with his incredible talent on screen, but he's also a fierce advocate for his clients in the courtroom. With a track record of success and a passion for justice, Mel and his team will go the extra mile to ensure your rights are protected. I'm talking everybody's rights. It's Mel Gibson here, friends. Oh, wow. Just listen to one client here. When I need legal help, I knew I could trust Mel Gibson and his team. They fought tireless for me, just like Mel does in his movies. I didn't know Mel Gibson went to the, got the bar, like passed the bar and everything. Wow. The only way I would endorse this is if he was as Max. Ooh. Limping in there, shotgun, dog in hand. And that dog better be alive. No, it could be a different dog. It's fine. That's true. Okay. Not that dog in the first, not that dog in the first one. That just runs off. That's a bad dog. Yeah, dog in the second one. 
beautiful Australians. Yeah. I don't know. Could you imagine Braveheart walking into that courtroom? I mean, could you imagine that speech that he would give? Like the entire jury at the end? We just yell at the jury to like, my client deserves the freedom. The jury would be like, yeah, you're goddamn right, he does. <laughs> you peaked the mic so bad there. <laughs> it clicked. I don't care. We're talking Mel Gibson here. It gets us a little excited. That's right. I haven't watched uh, Braveheart in a while. Well, we're watching Galaxy Quest today. So uh, I actually have the VHS for this. Uh, but my camera's not working, so you guys can't see it. So you'll have to just. Uh... I, I own it too. I know what it looks All like. All right, good. Know. Brad uh, just doesn't own anything. So. Well, Brad, one. after that amazing read there of our sponsor that hopefully will come back, uh, bring us the quick facts. Now we got this directed by Dean Parasot. I don't know what else he did. I'm not familiar with a lot of other things, but I'm sure it's probably pretty good. We got screenplay by David Howard and Robert Gordon. Distributed by DreamWorks. Is that a, that's a Disney subsidiary, like you said? Nope. Nope. No. That was Buena Vista. Oh, DreamWorks. I'm sorry. Yeah, DreamWorks. Yeah. Oh, I spend a ton of money. They have a bunch of children's stuff out now, and I, I've, I've watched all of it. Um, we got released on December 25th, 1999, with a budget of $45 million. That's a lot of money back then. Mm-hmm. A lot of money today, with a box office of 90.7. So that would do really well. 90% on the tomato meter and a 79% audience score. So just solid all the way around. I'm not going to list all of Dean's work, but it's a lot of good things. Just yeah, I know, I know he did Bill and Ted face the music. That was the oh, last okay. So this guy's I haven't watched that still for some reason. But. I enjoyed it. I mean, it's nowhere near as good as the first two. And that's that's I didn't expect that, honestly. But uh, yeah, it's it's fun. I had fun with it. I, I didn't expect a ton, uh, but I remember he did <sighs> the tick fun with Dick and Jane. Those are good. Oh, did he do the TV series for The Tick? Yeah, one episode, never mind. But he did Home Fries. That's a good movie. I remember he just went into a lot of TV. Ooh, some Northern Exposure. Oh, there you go. Oh, I see he directed uh, three episodes of Get a Life with Chris Elliott. That's awesome that that is some type of correlation from Cabin Boy from last week. Oh, yeah. All three movies have been connected on accident. That's crazy. Anyway, uh, yeah, fantastic film on this. And uh, no, so uh, DreamWorks is actually uh, the Steven Spielberg company, Fred. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. So I don't know if he's like uh, an upfront investor or if he actually owns it. I don't quite know how that works. I just know his he has a ton of involvement with it. Um, and he actually was the one... Uh, so you know the the girl in this. You're about to read everyone who stars in it. Uh, the alien. Uh, what is her name? The actual actress's name. Missy Pyle. She's the love interest in this. Yeah, um, Missy Pyle. Yeah, Missy Pyle. Uh, he. It was actually she had a very small uh, role in this, and then Steven Spielberg snuck in and just like I think she's great, and you should increase her role. And that's how she got into the movie, and that's how he became a love interest. Steven Spielberg has a lot of power. When he says jump, you say how high. <laughs> yep. <laughs> anyway, who's starting in this? All right. We got uh, Kalamazoo, Michigan's favorite cocaine dealer, Tim Allen, as Jason Nesmith. Played <laughs> Captain Peter Quincy, PQ Taggart, the commander of the NSEA protector and main character of the series. We got Sigourney Weaver as Gwen DeMarco, who played Lieutenant Tawny Madison, the ship's communications officer and the only officer aboard who can give orders to the ship's computer. We got Alan Rickman 
as Alexander Dane, who played Dr. Lazarus, the ship's science officer and a member of the Maktar, an alien species known for their super intelligence and psionic powers. What, if he's so super intelligent, why is he not the captain? Oh, well, sometimes, well, the smartest guy never actually runs anything. So. Well, plus he didn't write the, the script, so that's right. the biggest reason, yeah. Yeah. We got Tony Shalhoub as Fred Kwan, who played Tech Sergeant Chen, the, chief's, the ship's chief engineer. We got Sam Rockwell. Young Sam Rockwell as Guy mm -hmm. Fliegman, the cast handler at conventions, who also played the red shirt. If you've ever seen Star Trek, red shirt does not last very long when they go on go anywhere. Uh, in a single episode, uh, simply referred to as Creamwood Number Six, and the revival at the end of the film, he gains a part as a security chief, Rock Ingersoll. We got Daryl Mitchell as Tommy Weber, who played Lieutenant Laredo, a precocious child pilot who's grown up. I think he's in twenties or thirties at this point. I don't know. Definitely not yeah, that's tough because uh, he's like one of these guys. That it's tough to tell at the age, but I would say he's about I'm going to go with like 27 in this Something film. like that. just a guess. Yeah, Missy Pyle as Leliari, a Thermian and love interest for Fred at the revival at the end of the film. She goes under the name of Jane Doe playing a character called Larry Arley. And Justin Long is Brandon, a dedicated fan of Galaxy Quest. And this is his film debut. Oh, is it nice? Yep. Mm hmm. So he did I, freaks really and geeks. He's been like freaks and geeks with like he's always been mm -hmm. kind of he's hung around a lot of people that do a lot of good work, including yeah, him. and a lot of a lot of producers that had no business making decisions on this uh, really wanted to. They didn't want to hire him because he was unknown. Uh, they didn't like him, and then at the end of the sh uh, shoot, they wanted to edit most of his scenes out. And the uh, writers and director were like, he's the heart of the film. What do you, what? No, we're not taking him out. So they fought for him. Uh, I, I, that just blows my mind that like producers that have no business making decisions, just ugh, do this. Even at a good company, I think they work for in DreamWorks. But, you know, hey, you'll, you'll hear how DreamWorks. Yeah. I don't know what producers did this, but they said it was one main producer that made the, the post-production of this almost a complete nightmare and some of the actual production, but mostly post I'll tell you about that. So the trailers on this VHS, which I wrote down, uh, we had the road to El Dorado, the animation. Yeah, that's a great one. This movie would get eviscerated in today's climate. You what was so? it about? Yeah, it's the looking for the lost gold city. Of the Aztecs, or wasn't it? Uh, people would be very upset about this movie if it came out today. Well, I gotta watch it again. I don't what? remember anything bad. Well, what was like? Is like the actual theme? What the story they're telling? Yeah, they're like good? conquistadors and they're exploiting like natives and stuff. And wow, Chicken Run, our next trailer, which I always thought looks dumb, and then I still oh, think that's it looks a dumb. great movie. Those chickens. You see those chickens where their eyes are placed, like how they're placed in the front of their heads? That implies they're predatory, like they're apex predators. Yeah, they, they evolved from dinosaurs. You know, another another bird that has eyes like that is Big Bird from Sesame Street. Oh, well, he's fucking crazy. You know, he's got a reputation for drinking a 12-pack backstage and then going on set and ranting about the government's lies. <laughs> that sounds like my, my kind of bird. Um. That's actually, you know what? I've I've heard I've heard tales about him and Alex Jones hanging out. Oh no! <laughs> I told you we could make this one political. Okay. Snuffleupagus. <laughs> uh, Snuffleupagus. I can't even say his fucking name. Our next trailer 
Beethoven's Third, Beethoven. That's not not good. This looks terrible. Yeah, Beethoven's great, and then no. Who's the main star in this? Um, Beethoven. Beethoven. <laughs> I don't know if that came was supposed to come off like a jackass, but you did. Congratulations, I like it. Fucking idiot! The dog is. <laughs> well, you know another bad one is the lat. This one, Dragonheart. I think oh, it's called. Oh man! The well, first I got some issues. I watched that trailer, and it's like, first off, the dragon's not even anatomically correct. <laughs> dragons don't have four legs. And it's like a straight to video shit piece, you know. And they're like reusing the really expensive music, so it doesn't match. You it's know, PG, and then the dragon goes whoa, like Keanu Reeves. <laughs> Uh, it's it's got the kid from um, Boy Meets World in it, the older brother. Yeah, which I think is the Chris brother. Masterson. Yeah, yeah, of, of Masterson Danny. who just went to prison. And forever. there's a yeah. I thought there was all. There's so many Scientology connections there. I just watched. I thought that was Marilyn Manson was on that show. Marilyn Manson was not on The Wonder Years, and he's talking about Malcolm in the Middle. Remember when I said all humans are awful? Mm-hmm. Well, the Scientology people are the worst. Yeah. <laughs> uh, You're just pissing people off left and right today, bud. Who's left? I mean, if anyone in Scientology is listening to us and is pissed, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> but I remember this new beginning. I remember liking it when it came out, but it came out in 99. Did it? Yeah. And the original Dragonheart came out what ninety five ish. I don't I'm, that I don't know. I didn't click on that. Uh, but I was nine when this came out, so of course I would not have a problem with it. Was the original Dragonheart? Was that Sean Connery doing the voice? Yeah. But all this, but all these like trailers are like kids movies. Yeah, I was nine. But but what I'm saying is like, Galaxy Quest isn't a kids movie. Oh, I thought you meant for Dragonheart. Yeah, I know. Galaxy Quest is a kids movie, though. I think I think it was targeted at like young adult. Well, that's what they forced it to be targeted for, and that's part of like the behind the scenes. But they kind of admitted that that was dumb. But then they go and just make the marketing on the you know the actual. I don't get it. I think it would have been done great as like a late teens, early twenties date movie. Yeah. Like it's exactly it's PG, like it's, a PG thirteen movie. Yeah, they didn't pull this off. I'm just saying. Oh, I didn't realize it's just PG. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Didn't even need it. It doesn't need the thirteen. I think it's great. Remember when I said Scientology were the worst people? It's actually DreamWorks producers. Those are the worst people in this world. <laughs> wait, wait! You just hear you what I have to say. What? Are you okay? Do you need a nap? Are you kidding me? This is fun. <laughs> Let's actually watch the trailer this week. <laughs> I will say uh, one of the starring cast roles that I did not expect or remember in this movie is Sigourney Weaver's bra. Or lack thereof. Nothing holds on for dear life the entire film. So you want to know something really interesting about that? She did all of that. She was well aware uh, that, you know, like she's coming off as like one of the toughest uh, women to ever be in a sci-fi film. 
And she's like, well, this character's not that, so I want to play this character up. So she loved the blonde wig, and she's like, I need to have a push-up bra, and this is the type of character I need to play. Like, she yeah. created the character. Yeah, the aliens created themselves, too. We can get into that later, but... Oh, yeah, that guy's really good who did that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. From uh, He was from the news... Oh, what was that TV show called? Newsroom? Newsroom, thank you. Yeah, so here we go. Here's the trailer. In the far reaches of the galaxy, a civilization is under siege. We are all that is left. They've searched the universe for a leader. Stay tuned for scenes from next week's Galaxy Quest. Never give up. Never surrender. You will save us. What they got. Never give up and never surrender. We're struggling TV actors. You are our last hope. Where's my limo? Okie dokie. And they're about to put on a command performance. Eight million light years away. We are actors, not astronauts. You are our protectors. That was a hell of a thing. Now, Laredo, take us out. Get him move to the right. Would you sit your ass down? You want to drive this thing? Acting like heroes. The whole thing was just a misunderstanding. May not be enough. They look like little children. Hi, little guy. DreamWorks Pictures presents Tim Allen, Sigourney Weaver, Alan Rickman, Galaxy Quest. You're just gonna have to kill it. We'll go for the mouth to throw his vulnerable spots. It's a rocket that not any vulnerable spots. That that's a good trailer, but definitely a kids movie. Oh yeah, they marketed it towards that. <laughs> definitely. The one thing I, I notice about all these characters is they're they're all memorable in their own way. I think that's what kind of makes this film really special. Yeah, I think Monk is like one of the best characters in this, and he's got the least amount of roles that Tony Shaloub. Yeah. Shaloub. Yeah, he was. I'm really glad that he really took off after Monk. Because he was, you know, because I remember he was in the, what was the Pilots TV show he was always in? Was it called Pilots or? Wings. Wings. Wings Wings is really good. Yeah. And I I heard an interesting thing about his character. So I watched the film, I'm sure just like us. And then I went into the research and I found out that his character was supposed to basically be high the entire movie. So they cut us because they wanted it to make it PG. They cut a scene where he was smoking oh. weed in the bathroom before this all started. And then I think they also cut some scenes where he was ha- eating some edibles. Yeah, that makes sense. Because he's just unbothered the entire time. And I like it. Everybody else is freaking out. And he's like, oh, that's pretty all right. Mm-hmm. He didn't like the initial role when he read the script. But when they created the character, and especially when they said like, oh, he's he's like a a guy that really has no real skills playing a guy who has no real skills. 
who's also high. <laughs> <laughs> and he was like, oh, that yeah, sounds great. <laughs> so apparently, I mean, there's a documentary on this I did not watch. because Yeah, I I've seen know. bits seen and it? pieces of it. Yeah. yeah. I didn't know it existed until about one hour before we went on air. I was like, what? But uh, I, I've heard this film. I mean, this film has such a massive cult following. But uh, what really sank this film in the theater was they had no belief in it. A lot of people in DreamWorks and, and the marketing was terrible. They basically did next to nothing when it came to the marketing, which is sad. And they're, I guess one of the producers who did it, he's just like, well, we got to knock this down to a PG. We got to knock this down from PG 13 to PG because we really need to compete with Stuart Little during the Christmas season. And I think that kind of says it all. Fucking back to Stuart Little. That's right. We've got trailers for it. It's come up in so many movies at the time. And what was the joke on that? It was the first CG animal character in a fully to fully film. wear clothes yeah something crazy like that in one of our other reviews i don't know <laughs> i know i always remember stuart little as the movie where chris just shakes his head <laughs> <laughs> we've never even watched it it's just based off the trailer and i who remember produced, you going who like, stuart little oh, who, who the fuck knows it's got Jen jonathan lipnicki in it i don't know I, I just never want to watch it. And if I do watch it, I want to watch it with only Chris. So I can I've look over it. so I can look over at your face and see your head shaking like <laughs> I don't think the movie's good or bad. It's uh blase at best, but it's just it just comes up in like trailers and stuff and every time it's the most advanced CG ever. It's, like, it's a fucking mouse. <laughs> screenplay by m night Shyamalan. so uh, was there a twist at the end you're uh you're joking right is that real is that real that's what the internet tells me oh jesus maybe that's what? the twist oh is that my. it wasn't the most advanced cg All right, i gotta spin away from that because i want to go down a rabbit hole of m night writing stir little can't do that we got too much to talk about in this we've already i've already gone down another rant can't have two all right uh i i will say this i, I will let everyone know i was a huge tim allen fan from home improvement uh, everybody was yeah i mean before he became like i don't know just the old guy who only complains about liberals uh, he was the he was the funny tool guy. He was amazing. I loved him. He was, was Buzz the, Lightyear. The funny man, like funny comedy, tough guy, man, man stuff, man things. Yeah, he did stand up and also, you know, everybody watched Home Improvement. Mm -hmm. I mean, I loved it. I loved it so much. I mean, it was definitely one thing that I loved to watch with my dad. So it was, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, it was just one of those things. So uh, I love this film right away because it was him in there. And apparently, um, oh, what's his name from uh, Ghostbusters was attached to this to write the script. And I think did some of the writing. Uh, Harold Ramis, who uh, did not like Tim Allen. Oh, I wonder why. He was very vocal about it. And he basically left the project because Tim Allen was the star. Dang. And, um, you know, they went with Tim Allen. They replaced the writer who finished the movie. And then uh, we have this film. So I guess... 
This is one of the very few times that I'm glad that Harold Ramis wasn't part of a film. Because this is great. Yeah. From start to finish, this movie's fun. Dude, the intro's great. I love that that con. And everybody freaking out in the back and having panic attacks and mm-hmm. just uh guy going on talking about everything. Sam Rockwell, yeah, guy. Yeah. yeah. Just oh, it, yeah. It's great. And then like the padding. He's like, he's not here yet. You got a pad. And he just goes on to other episodes and just keeps talking. I do wonder who chose his mustache because it's just perfect for his character. The shitty cosplay of all the fans and everything. It it, it just reminds me of like early days back then going to like anime mm-hmm. conventions and stuff before everybody put money in it and it became mm-hmm. a business. Uh, cosplay used to be terrible. Yeah. Nobody knew what they were doing. I mean, I had dinner with Virgil, the wrestler. I mean, it was a bunch of us, but he went like one of the early cons in the early 2000s. It was Virgil and uh, what's his name that played Hulk from the TV series? Um, Lou Ferrigno? Yeah, Lou Ferrigno. Um, now, we didn't eat with him, but he they were next to each other and the Fancy Million Dollar lads. Man was there. And, you know, like their autographs and pictures used to cost like $10 for an autograph and then $20 for a picture and an autograph in the early 2000s. That's how cheap it was. And you would sit there and talk to them. And I remember it was in uh, Rockford, Illinois, and they had some restaurants next to it. Now it's just like a giant ridiculous plaza. But back then, you know, there was only a few restaurants for everyone to choose from. So after they had been in the con all day, where else are they going to go? Right. Either get takeout or go to the restaurant. And we were there and Virgil was there. uh, And I do. I can't remember his name. Um, but I had gotten an autograph from him earlier in the day because, I mean, he looked kind of lonely. No one was visiting him. So I, I paid $10, got an autograph, and then uh, we met him. He was there at the restaurant, sitting at the bar, and we asked him to come over and eat with us, and he did. Oh, and nice. He was, he was awesome. He had such great stories. Oh, he would have, yeah. You know, he wasn't he wasn't some nobody either. The dude was like in the in the New World Order. No, I and can, he was actually one hell of an athlete, too. I cannot remember this guy. Oh, yeah. He was with the Million Dollar uh, Man. And he was part of NWO and everything? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Just blanking. So he was he was fun. I, I mean, there was a lot of people that we used to. I mean, like the comic book artist would just hang out with you because you could just sit at the booth. Because there's there was like, you know, a couple thousand people, not like 10,000 like there is now or whatever there is in con. That poster is signed by the voice actors of that anime. It cost me nothing. Yeah, that's awesome. I've got yeah. some DVDs signed by voice actors. Cost me nothing. I don't know when it happened. I want to say like when Avengers came out somewhere in like 2008 or something, whatever, when yeah. conventions became insane. Yeah. Horror conventions, I think, were like some of the first to start charging astronomically. Mm-hmm. And then anime conventions still took a while. I mean, people are still getting beat up for admitting they watched it in the 2000s. So, yeah, I think the point when I knew conventions were out of hand is when I went to a board game convention and everything there was just so high. And I'm like, this is a board game convention. What are we doing? Yeah, and- dude, that VHS convention, that's where it is. Oh, that was beautiful. That's still DIY punk mentality of like, just get some fucking freaks together and have fun for a day. I almost don't want it to become more popular. 
Do you know what I mean? Like time to cancel our show. (laughs) Yeah. We can't encourage these 20 people. I would do that again. Uh, yeah, we're going to drag you there, even if you don't want to come. Uh, that was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I won't fuck up the Airbnb. <laughs> next time. <laughs> uh, my bad guys. My bad. Just bring anyway, my truck. We can all sleep in the back. Oh man. If we could get an RV, does anyone just, uh, know where we can steal one? I mean, borrow. Yeah. I know someone who has an RV. <laughs> It costs four times as much in gas. Yeah. Than Airbnb I was like, how much is the gas in that? <laughs> I don't think they do so great. No, you're talking like maybe eight miles to the gallon. Yeah. I mean, it takes $50 to fill up my SUV. I can't even imagine what it takes for an RV. Uh, anyway, uh, so the one thing I, I do love about this is how, how much Tim Allen's character gets pissed that like random nerds in the bathroom are like making fun of him. He takes it so personal and then just destroys Justin Long's character. So fucking butthurt that they walk in there like, look at these fucking nerds. I think they probably worked at the the convention center or something. Probably. Yeah. And they, they like call him a has been, but then the next scene he's in this like million dollar house on the Hills. I'm like, why are you mad? This is great. It's that, that, that same thing as like when a NFL team does poorly, they just still go home in their Bentleys to their mansion to cry. Yeah. Exactly. And then he gets drunk and then these aliens uh, who are trying to track him down uh, and he thinks it's a job. They don't stop. I love how they just show up. and He's like drunk in his underwear. It's <laughs> my favorite. Yeah. Uh, help me find another shoe like this. And they just like stand still and look mm-hmm. around. Yeah, I hope his drawers were clean there. Because they're like staring right at his, his tidy whities I like to imagine he wasn't wearing any and they're just staring right at his butthole. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then he goes up in the ship. Oh, the limousine ride. One of the best comedic timings is when the... Um, one alien doesn't have its like translator and yeah. she uh, makes the weird sound and he pops the Coke. All right. Then. <laughs> it's in the I'm just going to close my eyes. You guys keep talking. I'm listening. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think he's great for this role. Like, he is. He, he fits perfect as like a cocky, no work actor. Yeah. Like a nonchalant doesn't give a shit. Mm-hmm. I, I think it works perfect. And then the, they go up in the ship and they, he immediately just like uh, fire some torpedoes and all steam ahead, whatever. And it gets hits the alien with it. Right. Uh, time to just, go home. Time to go. I don't he don't, never even changes into the actual uniform the first time he goes up. I love it. And he doesn't like when he realized the best part is when he realizes this is all real and he was in a real spaceship and everything. He immediately was like, he goes back to his crew, which really tells you something about his character. Because even though he is arrogant and kind of an asshole, his crew is like his family. It's all he's got. Yeah, just holding on. And he runs back to me. He's like, guys, guys, these aliens are real. And they're just looking at him like, dude, shut up. 
but he, he drops his communicator and Justin Long uh, gets it. And that's kind of like the uh, how they pull him back in. But the funny part is, is when his crew, the only reason his crew who kind of secretly hates him, the only reason they join him is because they're like, oh, shit, is he talking about a gig? And then they're like, we want to go. Yeah, it's that gig that he he booked by himself, they think. Yeah. And then they shoot up into the ship. And I do love how it kind of shows also his character. Like really wants to go back to do this show. He he wants to be something or he at least wants to be the captain. He wants his family back and everything like that. And then you look at his crew who mostly just don't care. They just want the paycheck. And I think that kind of like shows like he he becomes the leader mostly at this part of the film because he has to like gel these people back together who just are looking for a paycheck. Yeah, I wonder if this is an homage to like how the Star Trek crew really feels towards Shatner. It could be. It's got to be. Yeah. I mean, this is definitely a Star Trek ripoff. The whole thing. Well, it's kind of like an homage. I mean, they specifically did it. They oh, yeah. I, I don't mean like a ripoff, rip-off yeah, yeah, yeah. but like influenced by. Definitely. Well, I guess the writer originally put this together because he's like, well, what if all these has been sci-fi people actually got put on the ship? What would happen? And part of it was Commander Kirk would probably be the only one who would be like, this is great. I get to be a star in my own ship. And the rest would like, OK, I guess we'll come. It's kind of like a PG rated version of the boys, except the boys were like, what, what would it be like if superheroes were real? And like, how awful would they be? That's such a good show. I know I'm, I'm interested in the spinoff on college. Yeah, me too. Yeah. I, I need to watch the that cartoon they did. That will not be PG thirteen or PG. Definitely not. But one thing when they landed back in the ship after the teleporter and the aliens don't have their cloaking devices on and they're gonna go anal probe them. When <laughs> fucking uh guy screams and Sigourney jumps, that's because mm-hmm. they didn't tell her it was gonna happen. So she got played again in another alien movie. Oh nice. Just like in Aliens when they didn't tell him about the chest burster. Mm-hmm. Oh. <laughs> it's a great reaction. Now, what'd you guys think about the uh the like octopus like aliens? It's weird. It's cool looking, but it's weird. Mm-hmm. The sex scene's even weirder. <laughs> what'd you think about it, Brad? I think the costumes, like all the everything from the CG to the costumes was amazing. It's really funny because Spielberg really didn't like it. He told them, yeah, they're too monstrous. You should only the monsters should have monstrous looks. And he wanted them to have a more of a humanoid kind look. And I guess the director at the time was just like, yeah, but we also want people to understand that like these things are weird. You know, they're not of us. And this was at the time that the uh, main character who was leading all these aliens had designed their entire like weird speech patterns, everything. Yeah. It's just the main actor just figured out how to be them and walk and taught every other alien how to do it. Dwight's in one of the aliens. I didn't remember that from the office. Oh yeah. Yeah. That is, it's wacky. I think this was his first film too. Yeah. Just the, the aliens I think are amazing throughout the whole film. The ones that hang out with, uh, what's his name again? Monk. But they hang out with him down in the quarters and they give group hugs. I was like, these guys are great. 
Yeah, the guy who was leading the aliens who came up with their speech pattern, uh, what was his name? Anyway, uh, he, he came up with it. He was like, oh, that used to be like some type of like dialogue practice before you started acting. He's like, I think they should speak like that. And then he designed even more when it came to the walking because he's like, well, because he saw a design of the aliens. He's like, well, they don't really know how to walk because they like slither. So he's like, they feel like they're picking up their legs with their hands. And that's how he designed the walk. Oh, it makes sense when you look at it. Yeah. Yeah. So he like he designed everything and he created these entire aliens pretending to be humans. It's, it's really good. But uh, yeah, so the whole crew gets up there and then they all realize that they're they're in a real fight here. But I do love I, I don't know. It's not really laugh out loud funny, but I thought it was really funny when the uh, pilot, he like, you know, Tommy gets into this and he's like, oh, I got to fly the ship. And he just slowly smacks it into the wall. <laughs> <laughs> he's doing fucking great. And then yeah. he starts drifting. And everyone mm. starts leaning like, oh, oh. Yeah, it's funny. The aliens said they can't use the technology. They designed it for them to use it. They're not capable of using it. Yeah, that's that's really interesting. I mean, that's a fun way for the script, you know, like to get the crew back on. But at mm-hmm. the end, they end up taking over the ship. Oh, anyway, yeah, yeah, right? yeah. Yeah, it's a plot hole. But yeah, it's funny. It is. And then they get out and they find out they're in a real battle. <laughs> and when he's just like cut off the communicator so he can talk trash about the alien, the main <laughs> alien. Yeah, he gives like, that, I gave that, you the kill sign. The throat signal. Yeah. She's like, yeah, I thought it was just a bad scenario or whatever she said. <laughs> I don't know how to turn it off. I have raised Ceres on Zeta frequency. Mathazar, it might be We meet again, Commander. Hello, Ceres. How you doing? Uh, better than my lieutenant. He failed to activate the ship's neutron armor as quickly as I'd hoped on our last encounter. Yeah, well, you know, I'd, I'd like to say I'm real sorry about what happened before. The whole thing was just a, a, just a misunderstanding. Deliver the device to me, or I will destroy your ship. You know, um, we'd like to do that, but frankly, Sarah, sir, we don't know what it is or even where it is. You have ten seconds. I, I don't, ten seconds, I don't, there, you know, okay. Gosh darn it, I give up. It's yours, you can have it. You have to give me a minute to put it in a box for you. Okay? Gwen. Don't panic. I've dealt with this guy before. He's as stupid as he is ugly. Come here. Jason. Not now, Gwen. Sit, 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 sit. sit. We're gonna send everything we can at him, all right? Jason. Not now, Gwen. Press these red buttons and send everything we have towards him, okay? Okay. All right, Gwen. Put me back on with it. Well, I'm trying to tell you, you are back. Perhaps I'm not as stupid as I am ugly, Commander. Gave you the kill gesture. Yeah, no, you gave me the word dead signal. I was agreeing with you. Like, I know where the hold button is. (laughs) I do love how that is such a bad design that only she can talk to the computer. That was her job, and she's like, my only role was to repeat what the computer said. And I'm going to do it, damn it. Uh, Yeah, so they get into a fight with them, and then they go into a minefield with the aliens, which is a bad idea. It ends up destroying their engine, and then they have to go to a planet to get, like, the core back. 
Mm-hmm. The Balerian. What do you guys remember this Balerian. Balerian something. Horror something. Where I am. They go to this planet, and then magically, Guy becomes the smartest character because he's the only one who actually watched the show. Yeah, he's panicked. He's going to die. I'm going to die on this planet. And they're like, well, you didn't want to stay in the ship. And he's like, well, I was going to die there. I do love how uh, the one character opens up the door and they're like, you don't know if there's air. What are you doing? We don't know if we can breathe. Hmm. Seems fine to me. Just so nonchalant. We got to remember his name. Fred. Yeah, Fred just doesn't give a shit. No, I mean, Fred's high as shit. In fact, I think they show him eating something on that trip. Either when they land, right before they land, or when they go up. Uh, yeah, no, the the little baby aliens they find are pretty cool. Until they savagely kill the one. Yeah, it limps up, and she's like, oh, they're taking care of it. <laughs> and they just murder it. Uh, and then the other crew members escape all the, the little baby alien things. Blue baby aliens, which was done by Industrial Light and Magic. And then uh, Tim Allen gets stuck on the planet and has to fight the rock monster. Yeah, because can't, he can't fit on with the core. Mm-hmm. They knock him out. He wakes up getting licked by a pig. Yeah, that, that pig, that two-legged pig monster. That kind of felt like the monsters from Mars Attack, right? I thought of Tremors. Ooh, that's good, yeah. The gra- like flyers or whatever they the call walking them. The graboids. Do. I can't uh, remember. Yeah. Yeah, they didn't remind me. They kind of did remind me from like those monsters from Invaders from Mars. Yeah, Invaders from Mars. That was it. Not Mars Attacks. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But smaller. Yeah. And then he uh, sends one on and like smashes it or it explodes, comes out. Like, they're using the teleporter. Yeah. And they don't that- know if it, they were like, we've never actually got it to work. We based it off guy guy's movement. No, not guys. Uh, we based it off Fred's movements. <laughs> and it fucking comes in all twisted and mangled like the thing inside like, out, and then explodes. Yeah. But uh, yeah, they get Tim Allen up there, and uh, don't worry, that rock monster is gonna come back. Uh, and then uh, I think this is when the crew wants to be dropped off at Earth, right? Yeah. Like they went out. They're done. Yeah, they're walking away from the the ship. They're all storming off. Yeah, I did write the note that the the rock monster here reminds me of uh, stone taluses from Zelda. If anyone out there mm-hmm. plays Zelda, anyway, uh, yeah. So they get uh, they get back. You know, they kind of get into the fight. They have to. I think at one time called Justin Long because they have to figure out a way through the ship. And yeah, they got them, a, like the schematics. That's later. That's after they get invaded, which is right now, actually, isn't it? Yeah, because they they try to talk to the 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 crew, and they find out that the uh, the alien, the Saris, is on their ship. Yeah, they they've taken over the ship, right? Yeah, he sets the core to detonate. They got to find it. That's right, and that's why they have to pull up the schematics on nineteen ninety nine internet. Yeah, I fucking love that hacker mode. <laughs> yeah <laughs> but at first he thinks it's a call from god he's just like looking around what is this that's it's the callback to him dropping the communicator mm-hmm. so justin long's got it so that's fun i mean this script's really good even even though there's some you know questionable things in it but that's what's great about these sci-fi films is it's fine you know they just got some weird stuff 
And uh, the Smash Room is one of my favorite like little satires to sci-fi writing. When there's no explanation why. Why is this here? <laughs> yeah, apparently someone was supposed to drop a fuck in that, but they uh, canceled it because they wanted the film to be PG. Yeah, they said say your ass down was the, the one cuss word. Mm-hmm. I guess there's supposed to be like one or two fucks in this. Um, I, I guess when uh, Alan, uh, when Alan Rickman was uh, having like the meltdown at the very mm-hmm. beginning, someone was one, someone was supposed to drop an F bomb in the original script, but they took that one out because apparently you can only have one F bomb in a PG 13. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so they get through it. Um, they end up fighting. I don't know how they split ships, by the way. I don't remember. Uh, it says that it, it, they just, the aliens just say they can. You mean how it, how the one to earth? Well, no, no, I mean, they get back to their alien ship and then the, the crew's back on their ship and then they go back into the minefield. Uh, but the pilot's yeah. gotten better because he's been practicing and then he brings all the mines with them to uh, hit uh, Cyrus's ship. Well, while they were fucking researching or trying to de- deactivate it and then save the other ones from breathing, he was just watching clips of him fly the ship. Yeah, that's right. And we can't forget Alan Rickman's scene where he... Uh, like bonds with the uh the one kid in there and uh the he ends up getting shot by one of the aliens and then like rickman goes full crazy the best the best reaction is rickman after like saving everyone and everything and then they all cheer for the captain saying that they saved him and he's like oh for fuck's sake (laughs) yeah and then the the sex scene between uh the fred and the alien Mm-hmm. guys just standing there and he's like oh oh that ain't right this is kind of it's a good movie i think it's got really good pacing and everything for it sam rockwell said he actually didn't want to do this film because he didn't want to get like tight casted this sci-fi or comedy he's great yeah i know he's really good in this um but apparently he knew that his role from the green mile was going to come out at the same time so he said it didn't matter because that role was going to be so powerful that people would either just like think he's very versatile here or forget this role. Oh yeah. That's smart. Yeah. So I don't know if that was his plan or his, uh, his agents, but either way, very smart. So yeah, they, they bring all the mines that are trailing behind their ship. They explode Saris's ship, but Saris like sneaks onto the, the, their ship right there. The, I don't know. I don't even know what they call it. The Savior, something like that. Oh, God. They say the name all the time, too. I know. Well, whatever. They get on to it, and uh, then we find out finally what the Omega 13 is. And apparently, it just goes back in time a few minutes 13 seconds. 13 seconds. Sigourney Weaver's like, What's the point of that? He's like, Just to fix one mistake. Yeah. So they, uh, Tim Allen uses the Omega 13. To go back and stop Saris from uh, killing everyone. Yeah, he starts beating the shit out of him and everybody stops him. Mm-hmm. Then he pulls out a gun and the alien leader shoots him. No, he hits him in the head with his cane. Is what it is, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, because he's limping because uh, he got tortured. Yeah. Earlier. That's in. right, yeah. Yeah, we skipped some stuff. It goes all over. Once this movie starts going, it goes... Yeah, it is pretty funny. It's just like, tell him 
like you would a child. <laughs> that alien, by the way, by Stan Winston's production studio. Bravo. All of them look great. It, yeah. it reminds me of Fifth Element. Yeah. Like it, I look like they could be buying weapons. That's Fifth actually Element. like a perfect comp to this. Like yeah. just watching Fifth Element and then Galaxy Quest. Remember, this is 1999, too. And look at how good how good these yeah. all look. Yeah, where they gave people time to do stuff. Yeah, Industrial Light and Magic combine models and CG. Yeah, Ugh. practical oh, effects. So good. Well, it reminds me of Starship Troopers, where like that was one of the last massive budget films that used CG with the models, and it looks so good. Yeah, it's a great film. Yeah, it's just like, ah. And Star Wars decided I mean, to go all CG. Well, it depends who you're talking about, because J.J. Abrams uses a lot. Oh, but in 1999, like Phantom Menace, though. That, that Oh, no, no. Yeah, that was the Lucas. Yeah, that, that just looked terrible sometimes. <laughs> like where they're just sitting in a room that's all green with boxes, green boxes, green everything. Yeah. yeah. Guys, I'm going to need you to pretend like there's some lava behind you. It's pretty dangerous. Dude, they do I'm that with the Marvel movies now, too. But at least they're like yeah. wearing part of their costumes. They do. I, I think actors have just gotten better with it. I think that's also a big difference. Mm -hmm. And you don't have George Lucas telling you like, mm, you're afraid. Action. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, can we uh, rewrite this? Because this sounds like a robot. Mm, no. <laughs> <laughs> I love you, George Lucas. I really do. I just, <laughs> you really should never direct people. <laughs> he doesn't give a shit. He's like, ah, actors are just here. Great visionary. Yeah. That's what I was trying to say, I guess. Uh, so what do you think? I mean, I'm going to assume that we all recommend this film. Yeah. Yeah. So is are how disappointed are you guys that there is no sequel to this? I'm not. Really? Not at all. Oh, I'm disappointed. So many sequels already. Like what's, you know, we don't. Well, I just think they just captured lightning in a bottle here. I, I just really think they could have. I mean, they had another script, but Alan Rickman died. So that kind of just. Well, I guess also there there was it was really tough because you had Tim Allen, who was, you know, doing a lot of direct to video stuff. Well, actually, no, he was doing a lot of Santa Claus stuff and then Toy Story stuff. And then we had Alan Rickman who was doing Harry Potter stuff and it was very hard to schedule everyone. And then Sigourney Weaver's, I mean, in everything, I feel like. Alan Rickman died in 2016 though. Yeah. Well, they were sitting there saying that they, they developed a script for later on. That would oh, be like okay. 20 years later. Oh, so everybody had to age. Yeah. But then, you know, he passed away. So it just kind of like killed it. Cause I know Tim Allen like really pushed, first sequel of this for a number of years and i would have if a sequel came out later i would definitely watch it i would watch it right now if they'd have like tim allen and sigourney weaver coming out of retirement yeah i think it would be a lot of fun i i just think it's so sad that like dreamworks i mean they ended up apologizing because if you look at my trivia they said like galaxy quest marketing budget was dramatically reduced because dreamworks didn't believe in the film 
During the theatrical run, Galaxy spent Galaxy Quest spent 10 weeks in the box office top 10, which is really impressive. Dude, it happens all the time, though. Does it? It feels like where people think movies are going to bomb and they succeed. Oh, no. I thought they're going to be the best and they fucking bomb. I was just talking about being in the top 10 for like 10 weeks. Oh, no. That's hard. What what I thought was amazing, too, is it was in the top 10 for 10 weeks and it made 90 million. So, I mean, that tells you how much of a difference there is between the 90s and now. Because I was like, to spend 10 weeks in a theater now, you'd have to be like, you know, end of uh, in a, a marvel film right yeah no one's gonna keep that in there that long and it'd have to be a great marvel film yeah you'd have to be pushing like, anything you'd be pushing like 500 million billion dollars to stay in the theater that long anymore yeah i don't think anything's gonna last that long people get tired of stuff yeah see it like three weeks then you're off i know it's like if you make it in a month i feel like it's successful nowadays like, right? Four weeks seems like an eternity. Oh, yeah. Bar- yeah. Barbie was hugely successful, and it, it dropped off in the first month. Yeah, but it made like a billion dollars. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be streaming on it. That's my daughter. She goes to these movies now. She's so used to things streaming, like, you know, mm-hmm. two weeks later that she's like, okay, we're going to go home and watch it again. Yeah. There are movies that we went into, like, over, like, geez, like Memorial Day that we've already got streaming. Dracula's already streaming. The last journey of the Ebenezer, or whatever it's called. Didn't that just come out like last yeah. weekend? Yeah, that's what I'm surprised about. Wow. Like two weeks ago. I feel like if you do that, it really cuts into your profits at the theater. I think nobody was seeing it. Oh, okay. Well, it looked interesting, but yeah, it was definitely one is like, eh, I'll wait. Yeah, I want to see it. Which apparently everyone did. But uh, yeah, so uh, the executives of DreamWorks apologized to the director for not correctly advertising this film. And the pilot of this film has a great quote. Uh, What was his name? Um, Tommy. It was Daryl Mitchell. He's just like, you made the perfect gumbo. You just forgot to invite everyone over for dinner. What pilot? What? So like one of the quotes is like the guy who played Tommy Weber. Oh, pilot. Uh, Daryl oh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. is the actual uh, actor's name. And he's like, well, they made the perfect gumbo. The problem is they forgot to invite people over for dinner. Yeah, that's good. It's a good yeah, film. It really is. Highly recommend it. So let's go on to the museum. This is the second time I've had to reclaim my property from you. That belongs in a museum. So do you. This is the part of the show where we go in the film jungle like Indy and bring something back to our adventure wing of the museum. This is our last one before we go into our Halloween franchise. Uh, I guess I'll go first since I picked it. I Man, I don't know. I, I think I want to pick Saris the alien because that that's awesome. All the animatronics that they put on it, the servos, like just... Yeah incredible yeah, even the look, voice he looks like a scorpion fish or whatever it is the ones with the spines in like hawaii that somebody stepped on in baywatch <laughs> and then it's like little wingy things that come out when he gets mad that's what i'm talking about yeah i love it all right brad what do you got i'm gonna go with sarah's ship yeah, okay it's tight 
All the CG was really good, especially for 1999. It was really interesting that the like torpedoes and whatever came out of like the center cylinder. Mm-hmm. Also, a terrible design flaw. Yeah, they were worried about that. an air duct in the Death Star. They even had guards and everything there. Uh, Saris just has like a mile wide opening to the front of his ship. A big bullseye, <laughs> like don't yeah, shoot fucking this. throw everything in there, bud. Yeah, that's true. All right, Chris, what do you got? Uh, I'm going to take the other aliens. Just like their mannerisms and how mm-hmm. they talk and everything. It was I think that's what made the movie. Yeah. Yeah, that I mean it's really good. There's a lot of really good things. Mm-hmm. It's a really good film. It's a it's a good movie. Yeah, I read somewhere, I don't know when, though like I know the Star Trek The Next Generation uh, which I mean, their run was already over, but they're huge fans of this because I remember uh, a lot of them at, were at a convention talking about how much they love this film and how how they is a lot of people even consider this like they mix this in and uh, make it part of the Star Trek franchise. It's like the other two we did are good movies. They're great movies. I'm not going to mm-hmm. argue that at all. But they're like this. I feel like is like a good movie. Like well done, well written. It's just it just feels more polished and better. The other ones are like weirder. Are you talking trash about Pee Wee? No, but you know what I mean. They it was super popular in the eighties. It just has a different feel. People it's like drown you. Yeah, it's like I watch shitty, weird movies that sometimes are amazing, but they're just strange. And if you can't get past that, you're not gonna like it. I, I could see an argument for this script being better, a little bit more polished. Uh, th- that was like Pee Wee was fantastic, but it was a very cookie cutter script. And it was, not that there's anything wrong with that. It just seems like a bunch of friends having fun too in that filming. Mm-hmm. Still amazing though. That's a great movie. Yeah, I will. I will fight anybody that says it's bad. All right, uh, Chris, tell them where they can find us on the social medias. We have a Facebook group, Analog Jones Temple of Film, Instagram, Analog Jones TOF, and uh, you can email us any discussion points that you have on this film at, uh, uh, God damn it, <laughs> Analog Jones uh, TOF at gmail.com. I think it's funny, right? When you were talking, I'm like, oh shit, did I ask Brad what he put in the museum? <laughs> you did. I know. Yeah. All we no. have is aliens in the museum for this one. Just in an eternal war. Yeah, I know. It's great. I I kind of want to watch this film again. Like I, I'm not going to wait too long on this one. I think it's fa- fantastic. All right. So remember to be kind. And, and rewind. rewind.